Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Fabulous Pelton Cast. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton. And I'm Tristan Carcino. And for our latest emergency pod, hopefully the last emergency, definitely the last one of January, uh, unless we get some storm news later today, we are joined once again by Ben Baldwin to break down the Seahawks hiring Mike McDonald, expected to hire at least, they haven't officially done it yet, as their new head coach, as we sort of expected, as you... Uh, if you were waiting for movement on the Seahawks coaching search, thank us for recording last night so that the pod would immediately become irrelevant based on news the following morning, just as when Pete Carroll was out as coach uh, shortly after we recorded earlier this month. You know what we had to do? We had to say, just as when Pete Carroll left, we had to say, regulators, mount up. And Ben, thank you for joining us here. Can you give us some initial reactions to Mike McDonald as Seahawks head coach. Yeah, I'm I'm glad they finally hired somebody and we now have something to talk about other than um, speculating about whether we're going to be stuck with Dan Quinn or whatever else they're going to do. And um, I sent out some tweets. This is great podcasting, talking about things that you tweeted in the past, but over <laughs> the weekend about how I was worried that Mike McDonald was going to be the Seahawks choice and Part of the context of that was really hoping that they were going to land Ben Johnson, who has since um, taken himself out of the running. So given that and the other names that we had seen out there, Dan Quinn, Mike Brable, Mike McDonald, if, if those are the alternatives, then yeah, I talk myself into the guy who hasn't had a chance as a head coach, is younger, everyone says good things about, although that like that's true for anybody that has ever presided over a good defense, you can find amazing quotes about and of course, the fear here is the that like go back and read what people are saying about Brandon Staley after 2020, and you like he's the next defensive version of Sean McVay, and now we're hearing all the same things again. So things like that temper my enthusiasm a little bit, and there are a lot of questions still, like who's going to be the offensive coordinator? How is his relationship with John Schneider going to be? Um, where we haven't seen Schneider um, be the actual person with control over the, um, the team is Schneider on board with the hire or was this largely an ownership thing? I don't know if we're ever going to find out the answer to, answers to these, but the, these are kind of things I'm wondering in the back of my mind. For the Rosie Seahawks perspective, I think it would be very hard to have a worse defense than, than last year. And even setting aside regression to the mean, I think they will probably be better coached and as a result have perhaps even better results than we might expect just from bouncing back. So if the offense can still be as good as it was and the defense gets better, then it should be a playoff team. And fingers crossed for that being what we actually see next year. I guess the the other question to ask is, okay, so Mike McDonald, you mentioned him relative to the other like remaining candidates with Ben Johnson out of the mix. How do you feel about Mike McDonald versus Pete Carroll? Was this change worth making from that standpoint? Yeah, I think so. I think... It would be somewhat hypocritical for me to be wondering what it would be like if the Seahawks had a different coach for them to actually do that and then complain about it afterwards. So I think that the Pete Carroll era had kind of run its course and like whether that was because of his own fingerprints on the defense or because he did not hire well in that side of the ball, I, I think 
something had to change where if you brought back the same general manager, the same quarterback, the same head coach, it would be pretty hard to get excited about next year. And now I think just changing the head coach, I think it's a little bit more to be optimistic about them having some sort of path forward where it feels like they've just treaded water for basically, basically since Russell Wilson broke his thumb or whatever it was a few years ago. Yeah. I mean, I think some interesting things about the hire that we did not discuss last night when, you know, I think we both had kind of come around to McDonald being the best candidate without Ben Johnson in the mix. Number one is that we haven't seen a Ravens defensive coordinator get promoted in a long period of time, even though they've had an outstanding defense almost throughout the past, the John Harbaugh era. And and obviously going even back to, to before that, when, uh, uh, they won the the Super Bowl with defense, but their last defensive coordinator who got promoted was Chuck Pagano when he took the Colts job in 2012. Before that, it's Rex Ryan. So like Rex Ryan coached two entire stints in the NFL, has done a long period of time as a broadcaster. Uh, that's how far back you have to go. And, you know, they had a couple of kind of like career coaches, assistant coaches, basically, and Dean Pease and, and Wink Martindale, who were overseeing the defense before Mike McDonald came in as this young up-and-comer who did have a chance to become a head coach. So it's going to be interesting. I don't know that we have a sense of like how John Harbaugh is necessarily going to rub off on him as a coach, and I think that's one of the biggest questions because, like again, if you could hire John Harbaugh, great. Jim Harbaugh probably would have been my number one pick for the Seahawks out of all the available candidates after they fired Pete Carroll. Uh in Mike McDonald, I guess they've gotten the next best thing to a Harbaugh based on his relationship working for both of them and almost and exclusively over the last decade. Yeah, that's definitely something you would hope for where not just Harbaugh, but the whole Ravens organization has been one that is lauded for like having a data-driven approach and having all these analysts on staff and wanting to basically incorporate data and decision making and a lot of that stuff is about personnel which i'm not sure the extent to which he'll be involved with but hopefully it will it will also translate into things like um what what they're doing on fourth downs which is the, the obvious thing that comes to mind um, with the ravens i do think it was interesting that you said the ravens are known for having a good defense year over year and that's definitely true and that i guess this could be like a glass half full or half empty thing where the the possible drawback to this is maybe this is more about like their organizational philosophy and hitting on draft picks and something that's more about the players that they're putting on the field that obviously Mike McDonald is not bringing with him. And if, if you wanted to do the glass half full thing, maybe, maybe he himself will le have learned something about what that organization has been doing to actually have repeatable good defenses for a lot of the last couple of decades. Yeah. And I think back or I think back to, Mina tweeted something who's obviously been in love with Mike McDonald for a very, very long time, but this was way back in the season. I think around when the Seahawks were playing the Ravens and absolutely getting throttled by their defense and the team overall, as most teams did throughout the season was there, there is some elite level talent on that Ravens defense as it is between Roquan Smith, Patrick queen, Kyle Hamilton. But when you look at it overall, this isn't a bunch of like top five picks necessarily. And that was the thing that Mina pointed out was Mike McDonald and the Ravens overall are getting the most out of so many players. They are getting career years out of 
six or seven players that are on their second or third teams. And if you're at that point, look, maybe everybody's just getting lucky at the same time. But I do think you have to say, like, he's probably elevating the level of talent. And then you look at the Seahawks defense, and I think that they probably weren't reaching their their value or their level of talent because of the scheme or the system or whatever. Like, the, I think the defense as it is, there is enough elite-level talent on the Seahawks defense that if you do find somebody who's able to activate them and get the most from them, I think we're talking about something totally different and a defense that might look totally different than what we saw from the Seahawks last year. There's a long, awkward pause here. I, I think this is this is a very similar argument to what we had a year ago about whether there is actually elite-level talent on the Seahawks defense. And I think it's basically Witherspoon is elite and someone who's worth turning on the game to take in and he's awesome and I love him. And aside from him, how many building blocks do we think there are on the Seahawks defense? Building blocks is strong. <laughs> I mean, I I think that they have solid talent at there's other than maybe the lack of a nose tackle. I think what was true about this year's defense was there wasn't any glaring weaknesses. To the defense they had invested at every level and that's why the results for the defense this year i think were so disappointing i mean they they have justin matabike for the ravens who is an all pro pro bowler for them you know this was the first season that he was anywhere near that good he's a third round draft pick he's played a little bit before this but under mike mcdonald he's somebody who's considered an elite level piece so i i think it's kind of like is Dejavian Clowney an elite level piece? Like Boye Mafe is somebody who to me is a pass rusher in the right system can elevate to that level. Yep. Right. Yep. Uh, I think Jordan, Jordan Brooks is somebody who in the system, I, I would expect now that we are looking at draft pick, I feel like linebacker has shot to the top of the list of players that I would expect the Seahawks to draft for next year. I think the secondary is extraordinarily talented between, you know, say what you will about Jamal Adams, but they probably have, four or five like very high level secondary players right now as well i mean what i'll say about jamal adams is he's probably not going to be on the 2024 <laughs> seattle seahawks so i don't know if that's relevant but yeah i mean rook woolen was a pro bowler as a rookie like i don't know about again cornerstone exactly. but there's a reason to be excited about him uh and then a chen who was hurt all year i feel like we kind of ended up forgetting about him uh dre jones there's a lot of young pieces on this defense right now that in the right situation, I think we should feel very excited about. But I think the other thing about Mike McDonald, and this is what we should take from kind of the Harbaugh perspective, is Jim and John Harbaugh aren't just defensive coaches or just one side of the ball coaches. It's kind of a new coaching tree. Like you mentioned, there aren't that many people who came from Baltimore who've been promoted to head coach. We haven't seen anybody in the Seahawks from the Harbaugh coaching tree. I like that there's just one overall. All Harbaugh's have one coaching tree. But bringing somebody in from the Harbaugh coaching tree. Both of them have been extraordinarily successful, more or less everywhere they've been. I, I thought this was an interesting argument from Bill Barnwell on Twitter this morning, responding to the hire, that it was better for the Seahawks to try to have the best defensive coach in the division than the third best offensive coach in a division that already features Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. And I'm curious, Ben, your thoughts, A, on that, and B, on the research I did that I talked about on the podcast that showed 
yes, there's a very slight advantage offensively in terms of EPA for offensive coaches and defensively for defensive coaches. But at the overall level, it's a wash that hiring over offensive coaches has not over the past decade, although the results were a little more positive in 2023, as we looked up on the podcast, uh, been is is favorable as, you know, I think our our belief in offensive coaches would maybe make you believe. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. And this is going to sound kind of like um, cherry picking, but I wonder how much of the offensive results are driven by hires that were clearly not a good idea. Like Nathaniel Hackett, for example, he's getting lumped in with the offensive coaches, even though like he probably wasn't being hired because he was an offensive guru or something. He was hired because in part, perhaps because they thought he could draw Aaron Rodgers from the Packers. And I think there's these other examples. Um, like, who is that guy that the Panthers hired? Matt Rule, I want to say. Like, like there's yeah. been there's been at the tails some very, very bad results with offensive coaches. And that, like, those happened. Their NFL organizations made those decisions, and they count. But at the same time, what you're hoping for is like a high, a high end right tail outcome. And I think the probability of hiring somebody who like changes the trajectory of your franchise in a meaningful way, at least among in recent history, if, if you look at like the Shanahan, LaFleur, um, McVeigh, uh, McDaniel, it's hard to think of defensive examples of that unless I'm forgetting somebody. And those are the coaches where like they are providing something repeatable year after year, making their team's offenses better than they would otherwise. And I am, I'm just not sure if we have defensive examples at the head coach position of people doing that. The sample size is still pretty small. I mean, I would assume the oh, Jets yeah. defense yeah. got better. I mean, the, the options are kind of Demeco Ryan's and Robert Sala as far as people who are sort of similar to this hire and Brandon Staley. And I still think there's a world that Brandon Staley works out. Like, I don't, I don't really know exactly what went wrong in LA for Brandon Staley, but I do think if you could replay that entire, his entire tenure in LA, it probably goes different, different times. And maybe Brandon Staley himself just didn't have the personality for it, for the job. And that seems to be something that came out, but I'm not sure if that was something that there was a moment we would have traded Pete Carroll for Brandon Staley. In oh, a heartbeat. Without question. <laughs> yep. I mean, I I think it's something that you pointed out is really going to be crucial for this hire and and it relates to filling out the staff and kind of the next steps for the Seahawks here. That like when you think of the most successful defensive coaches who are driving those results in terms of strong offenses, like Sean McDermott, we talked about last year. Yeah, you know, that he probably just has Josh Allen. Uh, but like Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick are defensive coaches, but like Bill Belichick's Patriots teams were best Patriots teams were way better offensively than they were defensively. And yeah, yeah. Tom Brady happened to have a lot to do with that, but like he created an environment that allowed Tom Brady to flourish. Pete Carroll created an environment where Russell Wilson is a third round pick could come in and start right away. And, you know, by the end of that season, the Seahawks could have an amazing innovative offense. So that's kind of the structure. It's that, being a holistic coach who's going to be aggressive, you know, uh, forward thinking on both sides of the ball, I think is what's more important necessarily than even Mike McDonald's maybe defensive acumen specifically. 
yeah, and it'll be interesting to see the direction they go when we know who the offensive coordinator is. I think that has the possibility of, at the risk of overreacting in January, eight months ahead of time, uh, telling us a lot about the direction that they're thinking of going. So when they announce Mike Kafka, <laughs> what will you think? I I understand the reservations because of how bad the Giants offense was this past year, but I'm not sure if it was reasonable to expect them to be much better. If you look at like something simple like their pass block grade, I, I think they were one of the worst, I think like worst two of the past decade or something like that. So it's like outlier bad pass protection. You have Daniel Jones plus others at the quarterback position. And even at times with Tyra Taylor, the offense wasn't totally out of its element. And then I think they probably got the best they could out of Daniel Jones the year before. So I don't I don't know if it would be meaningfully different than having Shane Waldron, who is now at the Bears, but I mean I, I would think if we are, could have just kept <laughs> Shane Waldron, I think we'd feel good about this also. It's it's unfortunate yep, yep. that how that situation worked out. But I do think we kind of talked about this yesterday, which was having the defensive coach, the young defensive coach like Mike McDonald and pairing him with an offensive coach. It's similar. You saw Dave Canales in Tampa Bay with Todd Bowles seemed to work out very well. Those are really good opportunities for offensive coordinators. Those are some of the best opportunities for offensive coordinators. And if you're a young offensive talent, you'd much rather be there than say Eric, the enemy leaving Kansas city. You're never going to get the credit when you're in a place like that. Whereas here, with Mike McDonald as the head coach, if you are a, a Dave Canales, somebody like that, you'd much rather be here than be with the Rams or be with the 49ers or with the Packers. This is an opportunity that if the offense is good, similar to Ben Johnson, if the offense is good, you're going to get all of that credit. And I, I think there's a good chance that the two can be paired with each other as well. If the defense is good, that generally makes the offense look a little bit better. So I, I think this is a very, very desirable offensive coordinator job now because of this hire, but also just the, the youth that Mike McDonald brings. I mean, we haven't talked about that. He's half Pete Carroll's age. And so I, I think when we're talking about whether you asked Ben about whether this is the right decision to move on from Pete Carroll. If we're looking at it retroactively a month later now, Seahawks fired Pete Carroll. You want it to be worthwhile to have fired the greatest coach in Seahawks history. And at the very least, they took a swing, right? They didn't shoot for the middle. This wasn't Dan Quinn. This wasn't trying to continue what Pete Carroll had built. This is somebody who, best case scenario, Mike McDonald could be the best coach in the NFL, Right. Like that is within the window of possibilities. We've seen Dan Quinn as head coach. Dan Quinn was not going to be the best coach in the NFL. And when I look at all of the hires that happened this season, I think Mike McDonald is right up there with Jim Harbaugh. And it's interesting that they're kind of from the same tree. Obviously, Jim Harbaugh brings the reputation. I think that stuff matters more in college. And he brings the winning at basically every single level. If you could go out and say, this person is in the Jim Harbaugh tree, this is it, uh, the next Jim Harbaugh is hard to say. Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, but he's 20 years younger. I think that's something that you have to look at and be excited about. And also just looking at the Ravens and how they've approached fourth downs and been generally pretty aggressive. They've generally just approached the sport of football in the right way and taking anything from the Ravens organization, an organization that under John Harbaugh has been good for on, on and off for 15 years more or less, that's something that you want to be a part of. And it also feels very Seahawksy. So to transition from Pete Carroll to that, an organization that was similar, to transition from Pete Carroll to that, like I said yesterday, instead of going and finding the next Pete Carroll and Dan Quinn, go find the next actual Pete Carroll. 
in Mike McDonald, who's half his age, who has a chance to be your head coach for 15 years. Yeah, I, I think the upside is definitely there more than, the again, the Dan Quinn or the Mike Vrabel, the guys who have had their chances already. I mean, the other thing I was thinking about that I never discussed on the podcast is like when we were talking about kind of the process of the Seahawks coaching search and the group that they brought in for second interviews before we knew that they were going to be so committed to making Mike McDonald the target and we're going to bring in Ben Johnson the second time. Like part of the reason I don't care about the process of the Seahawks coaching search is that there's a pretty good chance this is the last coaching search John Schneider will ever lead for the Seahawks because given Mike McDonald's age, if things work out, you know, not that John Schneider is old, but he may just outlast John Schneider here. And if things don't work out next time, it's probably going to be a full organizational overhaul that includes John Schneider as well as the coach. Uh, you know, presumably that'll be a little while because Mike McDonald, uh, it's been reported. I think there was this Ian Rappaport that had this um uh, uh, a six-year deal that he's going to get to be the Seahawks head coach. So certainly a, a Tom Pelissero actually had that. Uh, certainly a considerable commitment to a first-time head coach. Uh, I guess as we look forward, Ben, what are the things you're hoping to hear from Mike McDonald as he's introduced to the Seattle media? What would make you feel better about this as a hire? Yeah, I, I think the first, I don't know if it's the words as much as the, the action of who is hired as the offensive coordinator. I think that's number one for me. And then um, this isn't really judging him as much as being interested in what they do, how they view Geno Smith and whether this is the plan going forward or whether they attack the quarterback position during the offseason. I think those are my two biggest question marks about the team. And I don't, I don't even know if there's a right or wrong answer. I just, I want to know what their vision is for addressing that going forward, I think. Um, and then at, yeah, at the press conference, I don't know. This is a complete non-answer, but I don't know if there's how much I really care about what he says at a press conference now. If it like <laughs> what what matters are the actions, which are like free agency, the draft, coaching hires, stuff like that, and then obviously if the defense is better once they start playing again in September. Sorry to be not cooperative. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the team being better in general also, not even specifically the defense. Like, I, I think Mike McDonald was a defensive coordinator. That's his background. You want the defense to be good, but at some Also, point, there's a lot more room for improvement there. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what we talked about, which is if the offense stays where it is, which all things considered, I mean, Shane Waldron is gone. Hopefully there's a new good offense coordinator. My offense ranked 12th last year. If you pair them with a top 10 defense, you have a competing team in the playoffs. You have a team that ha has a chance to be up there with San Francisco and the LA Rams. Uh, it'll be very fascinating to see him playing against those teams. But I think the, the ideal goal is that we forget that Mike McDonald is a defensive coach. The ideal goal is Mike McDonald is the coach of the Seattle Seahawks, which means that you're coaching everything. And it's not just Mike McDonald's defense isn't playing well. This is the Seahawks overall. And I think right now we get caught up in the offense versus defense thing. At some point, like Dan Campbell, when we're talking about Dan Campbell, it's we're talking about the Lions overall. We're not saying Dan Campbell's offense, Dan Campbell's defense, right? And I think that would be the ideal situation is the team overall has the right perspective with its approach to talent, with its approach to scheme, with its approach for how to adjust when they need to and utilizing the talent in the best possible ways. Um, with, we'll see with Geno Smith. I think that to me is the ideal scenario is that he's not just a defensive coach where that's all we're talking about. And at Pete Carroll's greatest moments, that wasn't it, you know? Uh, I think 
I think that's the goal and that's what the best coaches are, are you just talk about them as the coach overall, not their particular side of the ball and let somebody else handle the other piece of it. Uh, and I think that's what Mike McDonald can be. I think a couple other things we've talked a lot about the offensive coordinator, understandably, that's a more important decision when you bring in a defensive coach. I'm curious to see who he hires as his defensive coordinator. Uh, Assuming that Anthony Weaver isn't hired as the commander's head coach, seems like he's in line to become the defensive coordinator in Baltimore. But, you know, one of their position coaches, particularly like it looks like basically all of their position coaches played in the NFL and have that experience, which I think is a nice contrast to someone in Mike McDonald who worked his way ups, but didn't even play at the college level. It's kind of fascinating. The city of Seattle now in Jed Fish and and Mike McDonald has two head coaches that never even played college football, which is pretty rare, I, I would say. Uh, and and Jed Fish, I don't think even played in high school. Like he's an extreme outlier in that regard. The other thing I'm curious about is, will the Seahawks staff up their analytics department like the Baltimore Ravens did? That is something they have done in recent years, but it feels like a lot of that work has been more focused. You mentioned the player personnel aspect. That's an important part of it. Uh, they really seem very focused in terms of using data in the draft and around measurables and things like that seemed to be a strength of the Seahawks using that in terms of in-game coaching did not seem to be a strength. And like if the Seahawks hire somebody who wins the big data bowl this year, that's one of the most exciting possible developments we could say. Yeah. I would hope they would transition to have having somebody in the coach's headset, make like with helping with the game management decisions, which is something that the Ravens have been doing for years and the Seahawks, they sometimes they've had somebody, but it's not like, a data scientist who who's that is his specialty it was it was um tater for a long time right and then i don't even know if they've had somebody in recent years so um that that will be something that'll be interesting to see too so ultimately a lot more to come here probably no emergency pods for the offensive coordinator (laughs) Uh, hopefully they won't announce it like 12 hours after we record a podcast again the next time and we can react to it a little more uh more timely fashion without an emergency pod uh anything else you're watching as we go forward tristan i mean i think just for what it's worth i'm excited about this hire i think it's fun right like yep, that that's yep. ultimately like we're paying attention to this shit because it should be fun. And having a coach who's 36 years old, who you can imagine the possibilities we can be excited about is a pretty fun scenario. And it's something that a lot of teams don't get. You know, there are a lot of coaches out there and a lot of options, which would have been just pretty disappointing in the wake of Pete Carroll. So to go from somebody like Pete Carroll to somebody who is young and exciting as a head coach, we'll see how it works out one way or the other, but I'm excited about this and I'm excited to see. And I think outside of somebody like Ben Johnson, I think Mike McDaniel, Mike McDonald to me was the, the most exciting choice overall. When I look at everybody in this candidate Uh, and if you're going to go out and hire a defensive coordinator, similar to if you're going to hire Mike Kafka, don't hire the twenty or the thirtieth best offensive coordinator in the league. Hire number one, and that's what Mike McDonald was in Baltimore, the number one defense, and he was coaching for an all-time great team overall that was led by their defense forward. So you might as well go get the best at it and see what you can do against these teams like LA and San Francisco. So. I'm excited about it going forward. I'm excited to see. I'm excited for Devin Witherspoon. I'm excited for so many of these players to be activated and to have a really great defense. Like, if this means that Devin Witherspoon could be defensive player of the year in one or two years, like, that would be such an awesome situation. So, uh, 
I'm excited about it overall. I'm excited to see how the roster transforms and have some new energy and new life in the Seahawks. So obviously we'll love Pete Carroll forever, but I do think this is the kind of hire that makes sense when moving on from Pete Carroll. It feels like a person who's not necessarily going to be out there every year. I also love seeing Ravens fans being like, we should have fired John Harbaugh now to have kept Mike McDonald. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's the kind of person you want is you want somebody who people are upset about losing them. Uh, and this to me feels like looking back to college, it feels like somebody who is a Dan Lanning type or something like that, who's risen through the ranks very, very quickly and is extraordinarily promising and could come in and immediately turn things around. So, Yeah, there, there's so much more excitement now than if the Seahawks had just kept everything the same, run it back again. Bo both excitement and just things to follow and be interested about. What are, what are they going to do in the draft? How are they going to attack free agency? Who are the coaching hires? Who are their analyst hires? There's just so much more to keep track of than we know what they are. They've been the same team for X number of years in a row, and they're probably going to be pretty similar next year. There's there's a lot more both to be excited about and to just be paying attention to for the next eight months. Which is great if you're running a podcast because it means yeah. a stream <laughs> of content. Uh, one last note before we head out of here. My ESPN colleague, Brady Henderson, I was talking about those potential candidates on the Ravens staff among their position coaches to become defensive coordinator. Uh, he specifically highlighted their linebacker coach, Zachary, or inside linebacker coach. Uh, if you thought that Mike McDonald at 36 was young. Zachary Orr is 31 and could become a defensive coordinator. Who, oh boy, we are all so old. On that note, thanks so much to join for joining us, Ben, and thank you for listening.